Well, this morning, I don't know if you can tell, but we got this thing like a finely oiled machine. We, uh, just in the wrong places, it's oiled. <laughs> uh, we losing microphones, and, and I, I actually think this is, I, I applaud you ladies because nobody notices y'all are in the service until there's something goes wrong. And 99.99% of the time, there's no issue. But then the 0.1% of the time there is, everybody just stares at them. As if you being a watchdog was going to help them get their job accomplished. And uh, it was so funny because, you know, we have 40 people in the choir this morning. And every one of them, instead of looking at their psalm book or Brother Jared, every one of them. And it's just, uh, you know, but I, no offense to y'all, but I, I actually really enjoyed that song in the acoustic. Miss Brown, thank you for being able to step up and do that. That was awesome. But hey, I was just waiting for Chris's guitar solo in there. I don't know where that went. But, man, we're not trying to perfect anything. We're just trying to serve the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and in truth and and. and, and And, man, I just hope that you understand when stuff like that happens, it's not a big deal. And we're just trying to get through this thing, and we're just trying to love the Lord while we do it, okay? So that's that's a a good thing this morning. Take your Bibles to Mark chapter 5 this morning. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited we have about half an hour to study the Word of God. Now tonight, normally I've been preaching on Sunday nights, and we've been talking about the series... A healer of the broken. And we've been going from miracle to miracle in the Bible, but not just any miracles, specifically the miracles of Jesus Christ when he healed someone. So we skipped over the turning the water into wine because that was not a healing miracle. Now there was a need, but there was no healing done. But so today we find ourselves a very, very famous story in the Bible. You'll recognize it immediately. And tonight I'll be preaching more, uh, more centered around the thought of our home missions, because that's what tonight is. But to this morning we're going to talk about the actions of a concerned parent. The actions of a concerned parent. So Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, the Bible says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, Much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. Now skip down to verse 35. I'm not trying to ignore that passage, but we have already spoken on that. We will slightly cover that this morning, but verse 35 continues our story. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master? And he fired. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. 
And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them uh, that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? And the damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. And that was not just a new thing then. People had been laughing at Christ and the thought of Christ having any power for centuries. And right here, there's a group of people that look at Christ and laughing to scorn. What can you do? The words you're saying are folly. But verse 40, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talith kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that as we read your word, we realize these are true events. And they're accurately recorded in your word to display your power to us. Father, this morning I pray your spirit would reveal a truth out of the word of God about this man Jairus' faith. And may we be able to apply it to our lives as we leave the building this morning. Father, I pray that you would do this in your son's power. And in his name I pray. Amen. In June of 2012, ABC News published an article regarding the cost of raising a child. Now this cost varied slightly from household, depended upon income level. But the average cost to raise a child to the age of 18, uh, excluding cost of tuition in college, was $234,000. $900, almost $235,000. And some of you are saying this morning, I was through that at age six. <laughs> now they said that that was the average amount that you would spend to raise a single child to the age of 18. Now, if you earned less than $60,000 per household, the number dropped to about $170,000. And if you earned over $100,000, your child, it would cost you $389,670 on average to raise your child, excluding costs of tuition for college. Now, can I say this morning, while that number is almost astronomical because it's normally a dollar at a time for a Dr. Pepper, that number seems almost uh, untouchable, like we can't even relate with almost $400,000 to raise a child. Can I say this morning, it costs a lot more than that. It costs a lot more than any amount of money to raise a child. And whether your child this morning is two months or 72 years, it's still your child. And in your life, whenever they have needed things, whenever they may have veered off track just a little bit, it was just, if not harder on you than it was on them. So this morning, all I want to look at is the actions of a concerned parent. What did this man Jairus do that, that was so special, that called the attention of Christ, that, 
Now we have it recorded for us for, uh, from this point in history on. What was so special about his actions? We'll see three things this morning. First of all, we have to see, though, his humble request. His humble request. Now we see here in verse 22, Jairus approaches the Lord. And his daughter is sick, and he's obviously very heartbroken about it. The Bible says in verse 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Now, as we've studied these miracles so far in our lessons, and we've looked at all the different times when Jesus was able to miraculously heal somebody, most of the time there has been somebody calling for this action, somebody praying, somebody pleading, Lord, come help. For instance, for the man born of four, it was his four friends who showed in tremendous amounts of faith as they uh, uncovered the roof and laid their friend down on a bed and lowered him through the ceiling. And we all recall that story quite well. And, and most of the time, that's been the case. And this morning, it's no different as Jairus is dealing with the hurt of his daughter. And Jairus was very, very well aware of the fact that his daughter was sick unto death. And he approaches the Lord, and I don't know if he had paid hundreds of dollars on medical bills or thousands of dollars on medical bills, I'm sure as a parent we all know we would do whatever it took to get our daughter healthy. Whatever it took. There was no amount of money Jairus would not have been willing to spend. There was no uh, uh, sojourn that uh, Jairus would not have been willing to make had his daughter been healed this day. But Jairus wisely and humbly bows at the feet of Jesus. That's a very important thing for us to note this morning that he humbly went to the feet of Jesus. Now, if you'll notice in the verse that we just read, Jairus was a man who had great authority. The Bible says that Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. No doubt Jairus had men that worked for him. No doubt Jairus had people who he managed. Jairus was a man who was in great power and authority. But when when it came to his daughter, He had no say. He couldn't tell this disease to go away no matter how high his pay grade was. No matter matter what he did, no matter how much authority he had at the workplace, it was out of his control. And that's the first thing we need to notice about his humble request is he realized it was out of his control. He couldn't fix it. No doubt that's the reason that he was bowing now at the feet of Jesus, asking him to fix it, because it was out of his control. You see, friend, this morning, if you do have a child that is a little bit gone astray, or if you have a child who needs something that you know you cannot provide for them, you know what that's called? Out of your control. And no doubt that you probably, if your child has gone astray this morning and you've prayed prayers and you've you felt hurt and you've, you, you, you could not even begin to explain to people the amount of uh, agony that you've felt for that child, you know what we need to realize this morning? It's out of your control. You never could decide for your child to follow God. You never could decide for your child to make a wise decision. 
Just like you could no longer decide for your child not to stick his hand in the cookie jar, you could not have him follow the Lord in the path that you've raised him. And Jairus here, his daughter was sick, is out of his control no matter what his pay grade was, no matter how much authority he had. He could not do a thing to help his daughter. So he humbly approaches someone who could. Jesus Christ. The one who has been walking throughout the land, healing person after person. The one who's done miracle after miracle. The one that no doubt the, the towns were abuzz about. Jesus, he's doing all these miracles. And I wonder if in the back of Jairus' mind he just thought, maybe he can do it for her. Friend, if you do have a child that's gone astray, Jesus can do it for you. He can help you. He can do things that you can't do because you must realize it is out of your control. Not only did he realize it was out of his control, but he realized the reality of his concern. Look in verse 23. Now, if Jairus had done nothing, if he had not approached the Lord, if he had not uh, 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 tried going to the Lord for help, what would have happened? The Bible says, Jairus besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. Now at this point, she's not dead, but she's close. And so Jairus now bows at the feet of our Lord, and he's trying to emphasize the urgency of the moment, and he says, Lord, she's going to die. And if you do have a child who is a little bit wayward, you realize the reality of your concern as well. You realize that there is no happiness apart from being right with your Creator. You realize that any type of temporary happiness they may be getting from the things that they're doing, you realize that's not happiness at all. True joy only comes from the throne of God. And you realize the reality of what's taking place. And no doubt there's much merit to your concern. And Jairus just simply laid it at Christ's feet, knowing it was out of his control and knowing that his daughter was on a path to death. See, I don't know. There, sometimes and you, you try preaching messages, and, and, and I know that there's a large percentage of people in this room that you don't have a child that's gone astray. I have the honor of preaching to your teenagers every single week, and it's, it's in my honor. I love it. I enjoy it. And no doubt, they, they're, they're having great difficulty identifying with this message. But I do believe, as the Lord has spoken to me and told me to preach this, there are those who really need this. And there are those who, in this congregation this morning, realize the reality of the path their child is on. There's somebody hurting, and there's somebody needing to know that Christ still has power over them. And, and Christ still has power to help in their time of need. And Christ still not only cares about them, but is willing to take action in his concern. Oh, I, I believe this morning that there's much merit to your concern. But thirdly, and this is probably the wisdom of Jairus here. He realized the power of Christ. 
You know why Jairus came to the Messiah? You know why he came to Jesus? You know why he came to the healer? Because Jesus had power. Because Jesus could accomplish what Jairus needed accomplishing. You know, I think it's a wise thing for a Christian to approach the throne of God fully acknowledging, Lord, if it's your will, I have no doubt you can fix this problem. I think it's a wise thing for us to realize this morning that the only thing that limits our Lord and Savior is not Him, but it is our faith. I hope that this morning, if you do have a child who's gone astray, or you do have an issue in your life, a problem that's bigger than what you can control, we would first come to the realization that if God has not answered your prayers, if God's not working in your life at this point, it's not because He's not able to. The Bible says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Jesus said those words. The Bible says, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. If you have a problem, if you have a child that's gone astray, God is not limited. God's ear is not uh, weak that it cannot hear, and His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. God is able to help in your time of need. Oh, Jairus, and it was a good thing he was able because Jairus now humbly lays at his feet saying, Lord, you're my last hope. Lord, please come and help my daughter. Oh, we need to humbly call on our Lord. If you have a child, but another reason we need to humbly call on our Lord is our nation needs revival. People need the Lord. We need to get the message of the gospel from here to outside these walls. We need to do that. You know what would be a good place to start? Humbly requesting it at the feet of the throne of God. Not only is there a humble request, but I want you to notice now, Jairus has done what he needed to do. He's gone to the man he needed to go to. But notice this, a hurtful regression. I don't know if you remember, we did speak a little bit about the woman who uh, has an issue of blood. She's had it for 12 years. She approaches the Lord and almost secretly tries touching the hem of his garment as to steal a miracle, if you will. And we talked about that a little bit. And that's what takes place from verse 25 to verse 34. Now, Jairus almost, forgive me for saying this, but Jairus had dibs. You know what dibs are? That's when, that's when you called it first. It's so funny going visiting with your teenagers because every single week we walk out the front door and they always say, shotgun! And then, it, as if that mattered, they then race to the front door. Usually punches are thrown and I have to break it up, you know, it's just a crazy thing, but what you're doing is you're calling dibs. You, I've got dibs on shotgun. And Jairus approaches Jesus first. I mean, Jairus was the one who bowed at his feet and got to him in time. Jairus was the one who deserved the miracle. Now, along the journey to Jairus' home where his daughter is, a woman touches Jesus and interrupts the parade. And Jesus, being the compassionate Savior that He is, takes care, takes time to let her know that He was much more about healing the physical 
but healing the spiritual. And Jesus takes time and encourages her. And He knew that her faith would never last if she didn't see His face. He knew that if she did not see the compassion in His eyes, that she would never be made whole. So Jesus doesn't just continue along His way, but He takes time to look at this woman. He takes time to talk to this woman. And He even takes time to call her daughter. It's a great story. As I said, we've already covered it. Now, as this is taking place, Jairus is just a bystander. He's standing there. Remember, what does he have? He has dibs. He got to Jesus first, and now he's standing as this this woman interrupts the the route to his home. He's standing there watching all this take place, and, and can you imagine the restraint that he must have had? Lord, you don't understand. My daughter, she's sick unto death. He didn't say that. He... He was there. He he allowed the Lord to do whatever He needed to do. But at this moment, right after the miracle with this woman and the issue of blood is completed, verse 35 tells us, while He yet spake, almost in the middle of the miracle, while He yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house Certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. But wait. Jairus went to where he needed to go. But wait, Jairus was there first. Wait, Jairus was the one who had dibs. And now, because this woman interrupted Jesus on his route, now Jairus' daughter is dead. And it's almost as if after Jairus' humble request to come help, Lord, come help, he goes to the right place, he does it in the right manner, now we have a hurtful regression in a situation. You ever done that? You ever been in a valley? You prayed that the Lord would help you through the valley and it's almost like the valley gets deeper? That's what happened. It was almost like when he got Jesus in on the problem... It got worse. And now he's, I can just imagine, I can just imagine the pain and you see here the delivery of some bad news. This man shows up and says, Jairus, I don't know how to tell you this. You, you had a good plan. It, it, it should have worked out, but it just didn't. Jairus, your daughter is dead. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says this, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Sometimes the timetable of God doesn't quite make sense. Sometimes God's clock is just a little bit different than our desire clock. Sometimes they don't always match up. And it's almost as if when we do go to the Lord in prayer, and we do go to the Lord to ask for His help, it's almost like He doesn't show up when we need Him to show up. Oh, I can just imagine the pain that Jairus is dealing with now. But not only is there delivery of some bad news, there is the discouragement to pursue any further. Now this is, notice this, please don't miss this. They come uh, 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 to Jairus and they say, Thy daughter is dead. Notice the next statement. Why troublest thou the master any further? Jairus, it's too late. I mean, 
you went to the right person, you had the right plan, but it just didn't work out. Jairus, let's just go home. There's no need to trouble the Lord any further. And sometimes it's others, and sometimes it's our own spirit that tells us it's too late. The thing that you've been praying for, the thing that you've needed so bad, the thing that you, you've been begging God for, it's just too late. Don't bother God with that anymore. For Jairus, it was his friends, but sometimes if we prayed about something long enough, isn't it our own spirit that tells us, you know, maybe God just doesn't want to answer that. But God is not limited by any type of uh, a scale or time that we can imagine. God is not limited. Uh, you see here, uh, Jairus goes to the Lord. He, he's done what he needed to do. This man comes to him and says, Jairus, it's too late. Don't, don't bother him anymore. Can I encourage you this morning, if your child is a little wayward, God wants to be bothered with it. There's not enough Christians bothering him with problems anymore. God wants our problems. The Bible puts it this way. We can cast our petitions to the Lord. We can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy in our time of need. We can go, just not enough for going. The question is posed to Jairus. Why would you trouble him any further? You know what Jairus' response should have been? You know why I'm going to trouble him further? Because he has the answer. You know what it could have been? You know why I'm going to trouble him further? Because he has the power. You know why I'm going to trouble him further? Because he has the resources. You know why I'm going to trouble him further? Because he has the wisdom. You know why I'm going to trouble him further? Because he has the authority. You know why I'm going to trouble him further? Because he has the all-knowing wisdom of Almighty God. And he has the almighty hand to fix the problem. That's why I'm going to trouble him farther. You have problems, I have no doubt. Why trouble the Lord? Because He can help. Why troublest thou the Master? He was wise to continue to pursue His efforts. He was wise not to just give up and say, I guess it's too late. It's never too late for God. He was wise. The discouragement to pursue any further. Not only that, but then there's the decision to choose faith over fear. Now look here in what Jesus says. He hears what's going on. No doubt our Lord knew what the thoughts that were going through Jairus' mind. And this is Jesus' encouragement to him. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the rulers of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. I wonder why he would say those specific words. It's almost like it was a choice. Jairus, don't be afraid, believe. The other night, the youth department got together and we had a good time just watching the NCAA tournament. Although my team's already out of it, my bracket's already blown, I have no chance at a billion dollars. Not only that, my hopes and dreams are crushed. But 
we had a good time watching North Carolina barely squeak out a game, and, and we played tons of games. We played apples to apples. We played darts. We played ping pong. We played basketball on a short goal. Now, if you want to build your confidence, that's what you need to do. Lower a goal. That'll make you feel good about yourself. And we, we were just playing tons of games, but I, I may not be the best person for this, but, you know, when it's game time, everybody else is my enemy. Apples to apples, there are about nine people playing in this game, and you may not know what that is. It's a little board game. You kinda, it's really not fair at all for people who are of a higher intelligence level playing with people who are lower intelligence level. But I'm sitting there playing with the teenagers, and out of nine people, everyone went around besides me. My wife went around. Whitney Klein won the game. And I'm not saying Whitney's not all there, but <laughs> come on. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Whitney. But you know how discouraging it is to get beat by a little 16-year-old girl? Like, I love winning. It's like, I want to kill you. It's so frustrating. And so my night did not start off well. Duke University's already lost earlier in the day, so I was crying about that. Now I'm playing apples to apples, getting beat by little bitty girls. And, uh, and so that was frustrating. I go out, and um, we play basketball on the shortened goal, as I said earlier. And after sustaining about nine injuries at the hands of Tyson Brown, an elbow to the eyeball, I thought I was going to have to preach this morning with a black eye, uh, uh, I realized my skill's no longer there. On a shortened goal, I went up for a dunk one time. I was like, but my feet never left the ground. I didn't know what happened. Tyson's throwing down monster dunks on me, and I'm wondering what's going on. And I'm just so competitive, and I'm losing everything I play in. Then we go to darts. And apparently Luke Taylor's been hanging out in too many bars because... The guy can throw a dart pretty straight. It was the first round, and before I've even thrown, Luke's like 70 points ahead of us. He's like, oh, no, I, I'm not even going to get to throw. And I'm competitive, and I lost two games to Luke Taylor. And that's frustrating because I'm like, I'm bigger than Luke. I mean, I can see the board more clearly. At the end of the night, the kids were all kind of leaving. Me and Brother Gerald decided to play a game of ping pong. We got to playing. And at one point I thought, why am I sweating playing ping pong? <laughs> I was doing the, like, you know, Japanese-like hop. I'm in the game. I'm, I'm like v v uh, Serena Williams yelling every time I hit the ball. I was so intense. And I won't say who the winner was of that game. But man, it was frustrating. All these opponents, and I was losing to every single one. I don't know, maybe you're not that way. But when I get into game time, it's me against them. 
You know what Jesus is saying here? There's direct opponents in this world. Don't be afraid, or can I say it this way? Don't fear, only believe, or can I say it this way? Have faith. The opponents that exist in every arena's problem is fear or faith. And Jesus here was encouraging uh, Jairus. Jairus, I know the situation looks desperate. Uh, Jairus, I know it looks hopeless. Jairus, I know you're discouraged. I know there's pain involved. Jairus, I know you just, you just heard the word your daughter is dead. Jairus, I know things are looking bad. But don't fear. Have faith. Can I encourage you this morning, Christian, whatever your problem may be, whether it's financial crisis or whether it's your child is not on the right path, don't be afraid. Have faith. The same words of our Lord and Savior to Jairus, have not fear. Have faith in an all-powerful God that cares about you and cares about your child. Oh, don't be afraid. Have faith. Not only is there a humble request, and then... We had to notice how there was a hurtful regression. But thirdly, notice the honored role. An honored role. I want you to notice in verse 41 and 42, we're almost done. Now Jesus was approached by Jairus to be a healer. The whole time, that's been the plan that the Lord would come and heal Jairus' daughter. And now there's been some turns and there's been some strange things that's taken place along the way. But ultimately, when the healer's on the job, he ends up finishing what he started. Verse 41, And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. I want you to notice two things about our Lord and Savior this morning. First of all, it, in, it is in His nature to relieve. Look in verse 39. It is in His nature to relieve. And when He was come in... So in verse 38, there's people weeping and wailing. and they're, 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 they're showing their sympathy for the daughter. Verse 39, And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? Why make ye this ado and weep? Why are you so upset? I'm here. It is in the nature of our God to relieve the oppressed. It is in the nature of our God to comfort the mourning. It is His nature to put His arm around those who are at their time of desperation. You know why I say it's in His nature? Because when Jesus left this earth, He sent the Comforter. His title alone says that He is there to help you through. Jesus shows up and everybody else is mourning, everybody else is weeping and wailing, and Jesus says, you don't have to do that anymore, I'm here. There is no more deep hurting pain than watching a child wander off course. It's more agonizing than you can ever imagine if you've never been involved in a situation like that. It hurts so much farther than you've ever been hurt before. 
And no doubt if your child is in that place, you're crying and you're weeping and you're wailing and you don't know what you're going to do and there's tears stream down your face every time you think of that person. But it's in the nature of our God to relieve that. He sent His Son to die for us. He sent His Spirit to comfort us. It is His very nature to put His arm around you and say, it's going to be okay. Not only is it His nature to relieve, but it is in His nature to revive. Notice this in verse 41, 42, looking for 42. And straightway, at the word of our God, and straightway the damsel arose and walked. Now, she was dead. Jesus shows up, and Jesus does what Jesus does. And he comes in, and Jairus approached him correctly. Jairus showed faith, even through uh, hurtful circumstances. Jairus does what he can do, now Jesus is going to do what he can do. And the very nature of our God shows up and revives this girl. You say, why why are you saying it is his nature to revive? Because isn't that what he did when he died? Didn't he have power over death himself? Didn't he himself revive himself? By the power of his own word, by the power of his own hand, he himself showed victory over death, hell, and the grave. It is in his nature to revive. If you are in this place and you are hurting, it is in God's nature to help. It is in his nature to heal. It is in his nature to revive those who were once dead. Oh, keep praying. Keep loving No, it's out of your control, but no, it's not out of control. My dad had me when he was 50 years old. 50. Most people are done having kids by, for me, like age 24. (laughs) Most people are done, you know, late 30s at the latest, maybe early 40s. My dad had me at 50. The age difference between me and my oldest sibling is almost 40 years. It is such a strange deal, but, you know, it's, a, it's been okay. I mean, I'll be able to push him in his walker so he can preach. No, it, it's, it, it's been very cool because, you know, my older siblings had to deal with a, a, a young man while I get to deal with, uh, uh, and I, I'm not trying to be funny here, I mean, he's much more calm now. I mean, he has wisdom now that when he was parenting Dave and Gene, he was just slapping them upside the head, right? And now he's like, oh, well, okay, okay, Andrew. And so I, I got the better of both worlds. And My dad had a shirt. They got it for him, and it said, world's greatest 50-year-old dad. I bet that was a pretty small category. <laughs> Not much competition in that one. World's greatest 50-year-old dad. He is. I'm not trying to glorify my dad, but he's had his share of hard times. He's hurt. 
This story this morning is very real to him six times over. He's felt what it feels like for a child to veer off course six times. Say, Brother Andrew, you? Yeah, me. He's felt that. You know what he did? He kept praying. He kept loving. Oh, the hurt was real. The pain was real. But he just kept on believing. Only believe. You know, 